Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Tuesday, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah baby. Man, this guy, this dude okay. cracks me up, man. We were just talking before the show. Joe is one of the wittiest guys, folks. I'm telling you, you don't know what you're missing. Hey, um, listen, some, I, I know a lot of you were looking for the update yesterday on something that happened at Politicon. Long story short, if you follow me on Twitter, um, there was a major blow up at Politicon, which is a political conference. It's like Comic Con for politics. Uh, they have it out here in Los Angeles every year. I was invited this year. I was on three panels. Two of them were very good. I was on yesterday with Tommy Laren and Austin Peterson and uh, well Cliff Maloney and then uh, Lauren Chen, the Roaming Millennial. And I was on another po- uh, panel the day before, but on Sunday there was a major league blow up, folks, and I put it out on Twitter. I had a panel. I sat on a panel of <laughs> story, but I promise you folks, this is worth a minute of your time. Yeah. I sat on a Spygate panel. Now listen, I say this with no air of pretension or arrogance at all, but not a lot of people know what I know about Spygate. It's not that I'm like, my aptitude and achievement are so incredible. It's just I literally wrote a book on it. Like it was my life for a long time, okay? So I'm on this Spygate panel and I'm on with David Frum, who's a, who's a liberal on the far lefty, and a uh, professor, Jason something, from some school, and, and, and another guy from the Trump, uh, who was on the Trump campaign. Um, long story short is, this, it gets spicy, of course, Joe, right away with David Frum. But I don't think anything out of line. Like, me and David are going at it, and I'm kind of dropping some bombs on his head because he doesn't know a lot about the case, but he thinks he does. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's good. So the moderator, some complete zero, uh, from uh, he calls himself Doctor Vince or something like that. I, he probably has a PhD, but my thing with that is, you know, listen, he he, he honorifics clearly took uh, took put. This guy's got an ego the size of Texas. The moderator, as it turns out, is like a liberal himself, so he's not really moderating. He's trying to take cheap shots at me. So, folks, my wife is with me, and she's very reserved. My wife, she's usually like Dan, play it cool. Yeah. The moderator, folks, I'm not kidding. In a debate at Politicon, and I'm, we're looking. I'm, I don't know why the video isn't out there yet. It may be. Um, if you find it, let me know, as I really want to play the audio for you on, and play the video on the NRA TV show. The moderator, at one point, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not kidding, looks at me. Because he's getting smoked. He says at one point, he has never. It's clear to me he doesn't know anything about the case. The actual Russiagate Spygate case, but he's the moderator and he's like insulting me the whole time. So you know, I, I you know, I've, I'm not going to listen to that. He looks at me at one point when I call him out for being a complete ignoramus on the case. I go, "You don't know anything." I look at him. I go, "I, I said, to, Paula, what did I say? You're the worst moderator ever." I'm like, "Bro, you're the worst moderator in the history of moderators." I go, "You don't know anything about this case." He looks at me, Joe. He goes, "Shut." the F up. He uses the F bomb. The moderator, folks. And he goes, you're a moron. So I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Time out. Where you? Dude, are you serious? Like, are we going down this road? This ain't going to end well. So I get up. I rip the microphone off. I storm off the stage. I'm like, screw this guy. But here's the funny thing, folks. The whole crowd at the panel, there had to be 200 plus people. Storms out of the room with me. It's the greatest thing ever. So they're left behind. The moderator and these two liberals, they're basically left behind talking to themselves in an empty room at political. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever. Folks, if you can find the video. I will love you till kingdom come. We can't find, I don't know what, if Politicon squashing it, but if somebody has it, <laughs> My email's on our website. It goes to me and my wife. Send it to us. I promise I will play the audio. You will laugh your collective 
arses off. I promise you. Then the video, I'll play it on my NRA TV show. So please get it to me. All right. <laughs> I just want to get that out there because it was going around on Twitter yesterday. Everybody's trying to find a video. I promise if I get it, I'll play it for you. All right. That today's <laughs> show brought to you by buddies at My Patriot Supply. Hey, here's the reality. Emergencies usually strike without warning. And it's already too late when the emergency strikes. I know down in Florida, by the time that hurricane gets close where I live, the store shelves are already barren. You go into Walmart looking for water and canned food. You can't find anything. We're surprised when the power goes out. Hurricane Michael hit with little warning. Certainly with earthquakes, there's no warning. These things happen. The best thing you can do to prepare for emergency situations is prepare now when things are calm. Ask yourself, could you feed yourself or your family for two weeks with the food you have at home at this moment? If not, it's time to act and secure an emergency food supply. I trust my Patriot Supply, and you should too. Folks, I have about 10 boxes of this in my closet. A two-week food kit gets you started, and this week it's on, a, it's on sale for only $75 when you go to my special website, preparewithdan.com. It's on special now for only $75. Go to preparewithdan.com or call 888-411-8926. These food kits include meals that last, get a load of this, up to 25 years. Order now and prepare yourself so there's no surprises. 888-411-8926 or preparewithdan.com. That's 888-411-8926 or preparewithdan.com. Thank you all very much. Um, okay, so getting back to the the uh, the news of the day here. Um, there's a lot going on, folks. There's an interesting piece in the Associated Press that I want you to pay attention to. I, you know, we know the APers are not really, you know, journalists. It's full of left-wing activists. But, folks, um, what have I told you about the Spygate operation the entire time? That when the media preemptively writes a story in this case, whether it's the Washington Post, the New York Times, the AP, or someone else, when they write a story seemingly unannounced and out of nowhere, because you may be saying, all right, well, Spygate this week, really? Like, I haven't heard anything. It tells me something's about to break in the case. Every time. Remember the New York Times show wrote the piece about Stefan Halper? Yeah. And they basically outed Halper without using his name, but they, the reason was to run interference. And why does the media do this? Maybe this is the best way to not bury the lead. The lead on what I'm telling you now is, the media runs these stories in advance of breaking news, Joe, so that they can dictate the narrative. In other words, when the real disturbing story comes out, they can say, oh, we wrote about this two weeks ago, and it says mm-hmm. this. They do this all the time. You get my point? Like, if yeah. the news was going to break that Dan Bongino was a space alien, you know, a conservative media wants to slant the story. They'll write a story before it breaks in the mainstream media saying, well, he's only one 1,024 space alien, actually. Hmm. Like Elizabeth Warren is Native American, you know, right. same kind of uh, alien gene code. And you do it to kind of slant the narrative in advance before, was that fine? I mean, no, I'm not witty like you, especially after that opening you did for me. The, but it, was that all right? Yeah. Was it, but, did that pass your Joe Armacost comedy test? I'm not much of a comedian. <laughs> but the point is to slant the story in advance. Although I hate giving clicks to these people, I have an AP story at the show notes I really want you to read. It is about Joseph Mifsud. Why is he back in the news? This is a great story. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you something's about to break on this. Here is the lead of the AP story. Oh, Joseph Mifsud, who disappears. He disappears all the time. Nothing to see here. Now, a little just primer here for those of you who are unfamiliar with Mifsud. Remember the whole Trump collusion case? The whole Trump mythical collusion with Russia case starts. So the, the, the ground zero here, the point, the origin point of this whole thing is Mifsud. Mm-hmm. Mifsud is a Maltese professor who meets with George Papadopoulos, his Trump aide, way back in April, 
when uh, right after Papadopoulos joins the Trump team, right? And Mifsud is alleged to be the guy who starts this, hey, the Russians have dirt on Hillary thing. And then Papadopoulos runs with, okay, this is important. I know a lot of you know that, but that's, that is an important basic fact you need to understand. The reason it's so critical is the left-wing narrative that Mifsud is a Russian agent is the key to the whole case, Joe. Because if the guy who starts this, hey, the Russians have dirt on Hillary and mm-hmm. gave it to the Trump team, which intended to use it. If the guy who starts this whole thing is not, in fact, the Russian agent, the whole story collapses. Yeah. The whole story is BS. I, I, I know a lot of you get this, but this is a critical point. Mm-hmm. The FBI interviewed Mifsud right after the election in February. So almost a year later, after he meets Papadopoulos, Mifsud has not been seen since, folks. I am not into conspiracy theories. I don't waste any time on stuff like that. I'm just telling you the simple fact that the Democrat National Committee in their lawsuit, which is filing a lawsuit where Mifsud's name has come up, Joe, the Democrat National Committee lawsuit in there, they said that he may be dead. That's them. That's not me talking. I don't think he's dead. Let me no. be clear on this. But the Democrats think he may. I know. It's just kind of it's so sad. This guy, how, I've said to you over and over, how the hell can this guy possibly disappear in this interconnected social media, internet connected world where you can't do anything without being spotted by someone on Twitter? I mean, it's, it's think about it, Joe. Even the, the Pakistani raid we did in Abbottabad to kill bin Laden. You know how the media found out about that? From people in the neighborhood who were tweeting, hey, there's helicopters over our heads right now. You cannot hide in today's world. It's an absurdity. You can only hide one way. You can only hide with some form of government assistance. Some, someone is helping Mifsud disappear. Now, all of a sudden, the AP seemingly randomly pops out this story. And please read it saying, oh, this disappearance. Read it. Read it, read it. You'll get what I'm saying. They're like, oh, he does this all the time. Basically insinuating he's a shady businessman and he disappears all the time. Why would they say that? Why would they say that? May I suggest to you that something's about to break about Mifsud and the reason he disappeared and AP in advance is already getting a narrative out there that no, Joe, this disappearance is just a shady business guy who's done that in the past over and over. Read it. I'll sum up the piece for you. The the piece is, oh, he's Joseph Mifsud's been involved in a couple of universities that failed, um, a couple of education, financial, private education projects that failed. And when he loses money on these deals, he just disappears. So therefore, his role in this whole thing as it is disappearing is, is really not that unusual at all. In other words, Joe, nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see. Everybody move along. Just take it easy. Just take it easy. Just as, 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 as POTUS would say, just take it easy. Yeah. Take it easy. So as I would say, take it easy, right? So nothing to see here, folks. <laughs> Crack me up. Now, I'm going to read to you from the AP's piece. This paragraph should say to you that something is up and we're onto something. Now, just so you understand, there are two conflicting narratives here. And these narratives cannot exist at the same time. One is that Mifsud was a Russian agent who worked with Papadopoulos on the Trump team to tell them that the Russians had dirt on Hillary and the Trump team wanted to use it. That's the liberal narrative and the media narrative. They are desperate, desperate to defend. And that, by the way, sources are telling the media and that in the intelligence community to try to hide their role in it. Remember, the sources that are talking to the media community, folks, 
our intelligence community sources that were involved in this scandal. They're, that's why the media is so screwed up on this whole thing. And they're being liberal suckers are like <laughs> lapping it up. <laughs> the real narrative, I believe, in this case is that Mifsud is not, in fact, a Russian agent. That Mifsud's connections are to Western intelligence. And that Mifsud may have been part of a very elaborate setup on the Trump team. I believe that narrative really, really, really bothers the Democrats and the media is trying to choke that narrative off early by calling it a conspiracy theory despite the evidence. Here we go from the AP piece, and I quote, listen to this, listen with a critical ear. Mifsud's disappearance contrasts with the media offensives undertaken by many others in the orbit of the special counsel's investigation into Russian interference. Papadopoulos and his wife, Simona Maggianti, in particular, post constantly to Twitter alleging that Mifsud is part of a convoluted conspiracy within a conspiracy, a Western intelligence asset masquerading as a Russian intelligence asset to fake evidence that the Trump campaign colluded with the Kremlin. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is, the, the, AP, the, the AP is such an embarrassment and a disgrace that, that the fact that people take these people seriously as journalists is a, is a horror show. I, I openly laugh at you if you take these people seriously at the AP. Let me get this straight. The AP is taking a shot. This is a conspiracy within a conspiracy that the Trump team was set up. They have zero evidence whatsoever, which they acknowledge within the piece. They quietly acknowledge that, that Mifsud is a Russian asset. Joe, they have no evidence of that at all, indicating that their own narrative is complete, utter garbage and BS. They have no evidence of that at all, the AP. No one has produced a scintilla of evidence at all that Joseph Mifsud is a Russian asset, meaning your whole collusion narrative is bullshit, right? Mm, yeah. Did I just say that? Yeah. Can you bleep that out for I me? I can, yeah. Just the, the, yeah, the, the, the uh, associated yeah. propagandists. Yes, yes. You could you could keep the can I bleep that out part in there, too. Just to, It's a family-friendly show. You got it. It's, it's total BS, folks. This is nonsense. They know the narrative's garbage. They have no evidence of a connection, of a legitimate connection between Joseph Mifsud and Russian intelligence. Yet, what's hysterical is they seemingly out of nowhere, Joe, jump out with this piece, because I'm telling you something's about to break, in this case, trying to already set up Papadopoulos, who, ironically, Joe, is the guy who was actually there with Mifsud. He's the guy who was there, Papadopoulos. He's the guy. They're already putting out the narrative that it's a, quote, conspiracy within a conspiracy that Trump was set up and that Mifsud was a Western intelligence asset. Here's what's funny. The evidence that Mifsud is, in fact, connected, at least, to people in the Western intelligence orbit is irrefutable. It's irrefutable. There's photographic evidence. There's, Mifsud was given permission to enter the United States to attend the State Department uh, Connected Conference. He has a relationship with Claire Smith from UK Intelligence. Ladies and gentlemen, none of this is, is hard to find out. Read. Uh, I hate to keep saying it. I'm not like endlessly trying to plug you to death. I've just we put a whole year of our lives into this book. The Connect is a whole chapter on Mifsud. His connections to Western intelligence. According to these Looney Tune losers at the AP who can't even do basic journalism, his connections to Western intelligence are not refutable, Joe. They are fact-based. Any idiot can look them up. Just go to the internet. This is not hard, but the AP cannot get out of their own way. They cannot figure it out. Here's what's really going on here. The AP are left-wing hacks. They're not a serious journalism mouth, and they shouldn't be taken seriously. Their sources, Joe, are who? 
intelligence community people in the United States and the FBI, obviously. Probably some other Western intelligence folks, too, for this piece. These intelligence sources understand full well that the Joseph Mifsud story, when it's told that Mifsud's connections were to friendlies, and this was likely a setup on Papadopoulos, the Western intelligence folks who are talking to them must know that this story is about to come out. So what do you think they do, Joe? They call an AP reporter. The AP starts some investigation into Mifsud, and they feed them the narrative in advance that, hey, hey, this thing's all a big conspiracy theory. So when the story does hit, that Mifsud's connections were to Western intelligence and not the Russians, Joe, what does AP say? Oh, oh, we've already debunked this. Look at this story. Really? Because I read the whole story. I spent this morning before the show going through the entire story. And let me tell you something. There's no debunking of anything. And they don't produce, folks, a scintilla of evidence. I actually put the link in there. Read it. Give them the clicks for this one to see how embarrassing the reporting is. There is not a cent, a hint, a whiff of evidence at all keep biting the microphone, that a whiff of evidence that Mifsud is a Russian asset, yet they conveniently gloss over mounds of evidence that Mifsud is deeply, deeply connected to friendlies. I want to read to you one more quote from this because it shows how embarrassing this, this poor, pathetic, ridiculous, absurd effort at quote journalism is. It goes on, the APPs. Rowe, they're talking about a guy named Stefan Rowe, who is Mifsud's attorney, right? Mifsud, uh, excuse me, Rowe makes even more unverified claims. Keep in mind, this is Mifsud's attorney. The, the AP's entire piece is unverified claims. <laughs> but they make claims. Oh, Rowe, his attorney, makes even more unverified claims. Rowe's book describes Mifsud as being very close, not just to Britain's MI6, but the, to the Italian secret services and maybe other Western services besides. The book claims Masood has been taking orders from unidentified people with strong ties to the Obama administration and that Papadopoulos, quote, was most probably a secret agent planted in the Trump campaign, a charge Papadopoulos called fantasy. But here it goes on. But there is one theory about Masood that Roe, who has a Russian wife and Russian business ties, is utterly unwilling to entertain. You see how they got to set this up? I love mm. this. He is certainly not a Russian spy, Roe writes. In one email to the AP, he insisted that this story discusses Mifsud's clear and evidenced Western intelligence role and threatened legal action if Mifsud were described as a Russian spy, asset, cutout, etc. Folks, this is so obviously a setup and the media is so obviously knee deep in efforts to gaslight you to give you the IC community that was involved in this, their narrative. It is so obvious that if you read any of these stories with an even remotely critical eye, you will see through this cloud of BS that is being hoisted upon your back. It is complete, utter garbage and nonsense. This is a joke. It is clear as day that Mifsud's ties are to friendly intelligence assets. It is clear as day this guy was likely not in any way a Russian asset. They're actually threatening lawsuits now. Now, the fact that they think Papadopoulos was a, was a secret agent planted in the Trump campaign, I, I strongly, strongly dispute that assertion based on the evidence as well. But this is nonsense, folks. This is garbage. All right, I just wanted to put that out there. I know I don't, I don't want to beat you to death anymore with the Spygate unless there's a breaking news. But this story, I'm telling you, is an effort to run preemptive interference, preemptive interference because when the misstood narrative comes out, Joe, and he was not, in fact, tied to Russia, there is going to be egg on the face of every journalism outlet out there, and that's why they're running this story right now. It's important. 
Hey, uh, one thing on my, my book I just wanted to mention, forgive me, but just a self-critical note. I read the audiobook myself. Took a long, long. Remember Joe, me complaining every day. Yeah. <laughs> it took a long, long. Time. I actually enjoyed it because you get to read your own book again. But it was a long time, and it took up a lot of work. Someone emailed me and said, "At you know, a lot of times in the book, you keep saying quote and unquote. In other words, you know, when you're reading quotes, you have to say that." Mm. But I, I just want to tell you, I appreciate your patience with that in the book, but there's no other way to do it. I can't read something on the Audible or the audiobook that's a quote and not say it's a quote. And so I'm sorry, because I say that. You'll, if you buy the audiobook, you'll see what I mean. I get it that it sounds annoying saying quote, blah, 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 unquote, but there's no other way to do it. So I just want to put that out there because I got a few emails on it. But there are a lot of quotes in the book and it's important you, you cite them. So uh Thank you for your, your patience with that. For those of you who read the audiobook, which is Selling Like Hotcakes, I think because I read it. So thanks a lot. All right, folks. Today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Policy Genius. I had to look it up. We'll check that for a minute. Hey, life insurance is really important, but a third of people don't have it. That's crazy. You got to have life insurance. I have it. I have a lot of it. That's because it's really hard to buy. You have to work out what you need. You have to do the research, find the best quote, and hope you don't get swindled along the way. It's not a good way to shop for anything. Policy Genius makes the whole process a lot simpler. It's a lot simpler. It is super simple. We can't possibly screw this up. Policy Genius is great. Policy Genius compares quotes from the top life insurance companies to find the best policy for you. It takes just two minutes to get a quote. And if you don't know the first thing about insurance, they've got all the tools you need to get you up to speed. Learn the difference between term and whole life insurance. Calculate how much coverage you need. And be sure you're making the right decision. In fact, over 4 million people have used Policy Genius to shop for insurance. It's really easy, folks. I can't recommend it enough. Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They also compare disability insurance, home insurance, and auto insurance. If you care about it, they can cover it. So whether you know a lot about life insurance or nothing at all, start your search at policygenius.com. That's policygenius.com. In just two minutes, you can compare quotes and make an informed decision for you and your loved ones. Policy Genius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. Can't recommend them enough. Policygenius.com. Thanks for supporting our show, Policy Genius. We appreciate it. Okay, moving on, because I've got a thousand things to get to here. Uh, so Philippe Reines, who I had a major league blowout with on Fox News, former uh, Hillary Clinton hack and one of the strangest guys in politics. Right, Paula? Isn't Reines weird? <laughs> Joe, can you see her behind me shaking her head? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Reines is one of the biggest weirdos ever. I'm not, seriously, Paula never says that about anybody, but we met him in a green room, and he was like, we were like, um... Strange guy. Strange guy. So Felipe Reines, uh, again, former Hillary Clinton hack and, uh, and current spokesman, he, he appeared on a, a left-wing media outlet and said one of the dumbest things I think I've ever heard in my life. Joe was kind enough to pull the audio. Um, Felipe Reines seems to feel like there's no alternative um, to, to public mobs accosting of officials in public. Apparently, he hasn't heard about this thing, Joe. Um, you know what they're called? They're called elections. That's kind of the public alternative. You don't agree with politicians. He doesn't know that. Play, play that cut, Joe. I think he's sitting there and he's thinking a couple of things. First of all, I have Capitol Police that are 10 feet away. Uh, two, he's thinking I got my wife, Elaine, who's better than the Capitol Police. Three, he's thinking <laughs> Merrick Garland, you know, versus my leftovers. I mean, he's getting away with murder. And net net, I think he thinks this is this is the worst he gets. It's fine. But this is such a made up uh, problem. It, again, it is like Professor Butler said, it is the First Amendment. And there is a difference, uh, and it goes to something Dr. Greer said. People are doing this because there is no other 
opportunity or no other uh, oversight. The Republican Congress has basically pledged fealty to Donald Trump. People are doing these things because it's all that's left. And let's what are they doing? They're denying Sarah Sanders her her supper, her Cornish hen. They're serenading uh, Kirsten Nielsen in a Mexican restaurant. They're heckling Stephen Miller just for being Stephen Miller. I mean, let's not go crazy here. You watch the Pelosi stuff. The real when I watch this, the real thing to me is. The Proud Boys, who I've never heard of, but these white nationalists. Apparently Sean Hannity hasn't heard of them. Yeah, even though he's had them on, you know, 800 times. You have a Republican Party who is giving aid and comfort to the Proud Boys and to white nationalists. And they become the party of white nationalists Mm -hmm. and all of their hatred. That's the bigger deal to me than someone not getting their supper. Okay, this guy's a disgusting filth bag, Philippe Reines. Um, He's strange. Um, he's very and I don't mean strange in a good way. I don't mean like Doctor Strange from the Marvel movies. Like he has that thing that hangs around his neck and, and the special cape and all. Mm-hmm. I mean, like strange, like don't trust him with you, you with your car or your house keys. Strange. Like he's a very unusual cat. Like I'm convinced he's the kind of guy they may do a movie about in a few years. And I don't mean a good movie, you know, like Rudy or something like that. I mean, a movie like Halloween, mm-hmm. um, you know, Halloween, the return of Felipe Rhinus. This is a very unusual cat. I'm being nice by because Paul is here by not telling you the real story why we think he's strange because I don't want there's like certain etiquettes you don't break but trust me this is one strange dude so Rhinus in case you missed that whole thing in the beginning he's talking about Mitch McConnell and his wife Elaine Chow being accosted again in a restaurant by a aggressive confrontational left wing maniac and his his line on it is oh well there's just no alternative again apparently Rhinus um, has forgotten about elections seemingly that is your alternative. But folks, notice how Rhinus, who is, again, a left-wing goon um, who supports mobs, he immediately turns it to an argument about the Proud Boys, Gavin McGinnis's group. Here's what's going on with this guy. They, they, they cannot stop this white nationalist stuff. This is their race card is all they have. They don't have anything else. Rhinus has an IQ of about uh, 46, so he doesn't have the ability to think deeply, so he goes right back to the racial identity mm. stuff. Now, Joe, on a serious note, because I was yes, being a little sarcastic, obviously, here, but you and I have been doing this show for a long time. Yeah. Joe, conservatively speaking, how many times would you say I've mentioned on this show violence, preemptive violence, is absolutely, categorically, 1,000% the wrong approach? How many times would you say? 100, 200, 500? I have no idea. Over 100. I mean, Let's put it yeah, that oh, way. Well over 100 well is probably real. Yeah. Folks, I'm not, listen, I'm not virtue signaling to anybody. I'm not no. trying to be like uh, Tony Robbins. This isn't some, you know, oh, boy, I'm not trying to be Mahatma Gandhi here. I'm just telling you as a political tactic, as a tactic in the end of the day to win on the ideological front for liberty, for the right to defend yourself, for economic liberty, the things we want to win on, Joe, we want to institute these policies, correct? Right. Can we all agree that's the goal? Yeah. To defend liberty, to defend it. That preemptive violent action, the violence is obviously, it is a morally and ethically bankrupt strategy. It's wrong. Um, it, it's ethically wrong. It's a tactical mistake. It's a disaster. Ladies and gentlemen, I can, I, I mean, do you, I know you don't need proof, but for, forget, put aside for a second, the morals and ethics and the lapse of it by engaging in preemptive. I'm not talking about self-defense, defend right. yourself by all means. I mean, no one should be able to punch you in the face. Folks, as a political strategy, if you think this works, why do you think the Democrats and the media, Joe, it's a simple question for you. Why are the Democrats and the media and, and losers like Felipe Reines, why are they in such a rush then to turn the violent argument around on us? Right? Oh, look at the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys attack people. Again, if this is such a winning strategy, mm-hmm. attacking people in public, why is Rhinus running away from it and trying to turn it on Republicans? 
Joe, it's, am I right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, Joe's, a, Joe's an astute observer of the political yeah. scene. He's been doing this a long time. If this is such a winning strategy, beating the crap out of people in public and accosting them in restaurants, why are the Democrats like, don't you dare use the M word? The M word. Did you say the N word? Because nobody should ever use that. No, no, the M word. What's the M word? I've never heard of the M word. The M word. What's the M? What, what mustard? What the M word? Don't I don't. Oh, oh mobs. Oh, oh, we're not supposed mobs, to use the mobs, M word now. Mobs. 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 I didn't even know the mobs. M word. There's the F word, the S word, mobs. the N word, the C word, and now there's the M word. Mobs. If this is such a successful strategy, right? Mobs. If it is so successful, violence, then why is the left running from it? Folks, we have to be smarter than these idiots, and that's what they are. They're morons who cannot control themselves. I, 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 I get, listen, my whole life has been controlled violence. I mean it. I mean, I've been doing mixed martial arts. I'm in my toy. I'm not trying to be a tough guy, folks. I, I, that's not my goal here. I, I understand it. It's disgusting. It's horrible. There's no end to it. It is an endless and that you want to find yourself in jail for a night? They are, the left is losing this argument. Do not let them turn it on us. But the reason I want to play this cut is because I'm seeing an interesting phenomenon develop right now. I got to be honest with you, I'm not very familiar with the Proud Boys. And I don't say that, I know Gavin, uh, Gavin works at CRTV, but I'm not really familiar with the group that much. And the reason is not that, I just don't get out of my house much. <laughs> I'd be candid with you, right, Joe? I mean, I'm a, I work out of my house with my wife. So I don't really get out much and do a lot of stuff. But I have not seen what, what, what Philippe Rhinus is doing, trying to do the flipperoo. Here's what I am seeing. His narrative is BS. What's starting to happen now, I'm noticing this fascinating phenomenon. Antifa and these violent, radical left-wing groups, show will show up at a scene. They will immediately provoke an aggressive, sometimes very violent confrontation. People at the scene will defend themselves and these hack losers in the media right away, Joe. What's their narrative? Look at these right-wing provocateurs out there. Look at this. Let the videotape begin yeah. now. Hey, folks, that, uh, thank you. I did not plan that with you. That is the importance if you are going to show up. And by the way, you absolutely have the right to assemble and show up. I've already yeah. said a thousand times. Obviously, you don't, violence is not the answer. I get it. Okay, enough of that crap. I don't, uh, again, I don't want this to sound luxury because that's annoying to me too. But unfortunately, the media keeps misreading this whole thing. But Joe's right. That is the importance of these things, of very detailed videotapes and accounts of these things. Because I'm telling you, from, from seeing it, from, 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 from watching it, from watching how the media is trying to paint this, they are desperate right now to change the narrative from the violent left, which they are, the violent, radical, aggressive left. They are desperate to change it to an argument about the violent right. Now, 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 now. If you listen to yesterday's show and the day before, I've told you, what are the most damaging political narratives, Show The political narratives that do the most damage to both movements and candidates are only the ones that change a pre-existing narrative. I've said this repeatedly. If you're a first-time listener, here's what I mean by this. The reason Trump was not damaged at all by a lot of these narratives that came out about the campaign, you know, he talks off the cuff, he's got a, his background isn't necessarily angelic. It didn't change a pre-existing narrative about Trump. People who knew Trump from The Apprentice and everywhere else had already baked into the cake that Trump was a, was a freewheeling Queens guy who was a fighter. And you know what? He had a past and he talked about him and he was on the Howard Stern show. 
No, folks, right. however much people may have disliked some of the stories, they changed nothing, nothing. Because the pre-existing narrative about him being, a, you know, being a, an off-the-cuff aggressive guy was already there. But if the pre-existing narrative, say Donald Trump was running as, uh, you know, uh, Pope Francis or something like that, with some kind of reputation as being yeah. a, an unstained soul, right? That would have hurt, and it would have hurt bad. That's why Democrats, when stories about Bernie Sanders' massive wealth. And Hillary Clinton's inside and Russia connections. When that stuff comes out, that's why those narratives are so damaging. Because the pre-existing narrative about Bernie Sanders, I promise I'll tie this up for you in a minute. Is it what, Joe? He's a warrior for inequality. Uh, Bernie, Bernie, you're a one percenter, aren't you? You're a one percenter too. Uh, Hillary, weren't you complaining about Russian collusion? Did your husband not just take $500,000 from a Russian bank? And, oh, oh, no, forget about that. They damage pre-existing narratives. This is critical. Why is this mob thing bringing it full circle here? And why is Felipe Rhinus, hack Rhinus, why is Rhinus so desperate to flip the script and make this about right wing violence instead of left wing violence? Because the pre existing narrative about liberals has been what, Joe, the whole time? We've only been talking about it for the four years we've been doing the show. Oh, they're so compassionate. They're so compassionate, Joe. Liberals care about the little guy. They're defending the little guy. No, they're beating the crap out of the little guy. That's what's really happening. That's why this narrative about the left-wing mob is so damaging to the left in the media. The M-word. You can't talk about the mob. And that's why you have goons like Rhinus going on TV shows going, oh, no, no, this is all about the Proud Boys and the right wing. Because they are desperate to get away from this thing because they know how damaging it is. Don't let up. Here's your action item. Don't let up one bit. Do not listen to the m The mob word should be built into your vocabulary from this point on. They are the mob. They've acted like the mob. They insist on being the mob, so they're going to be called the mob. I don't care what the left says about it. You keep going, and you use your social media, your Twitter, and your Facebook, and every time you see these videos accosting McConnell, Ted Cruz, Antifa beating people up, Antifa, run, Antifa runs Portland, Oregon, by the way. The, the police commissioner, apparently, and the mayor in Portland, Oregon have forfeited the city to Antifa. You make sure you put those videos out everywhere so people understand that the left is not about compassion. The left is about aggressive, aggressive, confrontational, and in some cases, violence that they support. Don't, don't you fold one minute. You triple down on this. Now, one more point to sum this up, how damaging this left-wing mob, violent, aggressive mob, how damaging this has been to the left because it damages their pre-existing narrative, folks. Here's some proof for you. Tom Bevan, who I highly recommend you follow at Real Clear Politics, um, he's at Tom Bevan RCP. He's always has some really good insights into these elections, Joe. Here's a tweet he sent out uh, what, a couple days ago talking about the midterms and the so-called Joe blue wave that I don't think is going to happen. You heard my predictions on yesterday's show. If not, listen to them because uh, I, you know, they're on tape. I like to be held to it. We'll see how, we'll see how good or, or bad we are. We did well yeah. on the presidential, so we'll see. Tom Bevan says, in sum, regarding the midterms, number one, the D's are plus nine, the Democrats, in a national generic ballot. Okay, they're plus nine on the Republicans, uh, plus nine percentage points in the national generic ballot. That's pretty good. But here's where it gets better, Joe. Number two, for the Republicans, that is. In House battlegrounds, meaning actual House districts that are competitive, mm -hmm. 
Remember, I explained this the other day. The fact that nationally the Democrats are plus nine means nothing because the Democrats run up the score in New York, California, and Chicago. So it doesn't matter if the national doesn't mean squat. All you care about is the House districts that are competitive. In those actual House districts, Joe, the generic ballot is tied. In other words, folks, in House of Representatives races for Congress that are actually competitive, it's tied. You see how much damage these narratives are? It gets better. Number three, Trump approval ratings, the highest of his presidency right now. Why, folks? Chaos doesn't sell. Trump goes out there, talks about the mob. They see him as an alternative. Remember, I said during a panel uh, the other day at Politicon on Sunday, I said, it's not just selling what you are to people. This is important. The Democrats have mastered this for a long time. It's not just selling what you are. We're going to stand for minimum wage hikes and national health care and all this other stuff. It's defining what you aren't. Democrats have mastered this a long time ago. They say this. Don't forget this, folks. If you ever plan on running for office, if you're an activist, define what you are, but define what you aren't, too. What are the Democrats, Joe? We're not the racists and the misogynists and the transphobic, phobophobic, phobophobes. They make it up, of course. Mm-hmm. No, no one on the Republicans party is like that, but they make it up. But it's, it, it's sadly, it's a brilliant marketing strategy. Here's what we are. Here's what we aren't. The Republicans have always said what they are, right? We're for tax cuts. We're for liberty, the Second Amendment. But you ever notice the Republicans never get the here's what we aren't part? Except for one guy, DJT. Donald Trump gets it. That's why he constantly goes out there and says things like, look at the 9,000 person, 7,000 person caravan invading. That's an invasion that we're going to stop this. In other words, the Democrats want this. That's not us, right? When he talks about the mob, the Democrats want the mob, the liberal mob, the aggressive confrontational mob. That's not us. For all of you out there, never Trumpers who listen to my, I know, and you're welcome here. I don't, I don't, you know, everybody's welcome on my show. This is where you guys have completely, and ladies have completely 100% blown it. You sell this guy show, Trump's an idiot. He shows he's an idiot, really. The guy made a billion dollars and he won the presidency of the United States, first time running for office. I'd give him a pass on that idiot line. That's just saying, folks. But this is where they constantly, Joe, constantly underestimate this guy. He is absolutely brilliant at doing what Republicans have failed at forever. He uses the here's what we are. Look, tax cuts, the, he does it all the time. The economy's growing. You see his tweets. So, stock market record highs. Here's what we are. But he has mastered the who we aren't. And Republicans have failed at that for years. They have failed since Reagan. Reagan was the first one in a while to come out and say, government is your problem. He defined what he wasn't. He wasn't for big government. We have failed at that. Trump has a very uh, Reagan-esque quality in his ability to define marketing terms what the Republican Party is and is not. That's why his approval rating is the highest of his presidency. Uh, finally, point number four in Tom Bevin's tweets. So we had the D's plus nine national ballot means nothing. Battlegrounds, it's tied. Great news. Trump approval rating, highest of presidency. Great news. Number four, Joe, the Republicans have the largest lead on the economy now in the history of polling, in poll history. Uh-huh. You see what I'm saying? That's yeah. how I want to tell This is what we are. We are the party of growth. We are the party of tax cuts. We are the party of prosperity. We are the party of economic prosperity. We're the party of jobs. We're the party of raises. He gets that too. How do I know that? Because the GOP is the largest lead in the economy in the polls history. He, he ends his tweet, Tom Bevan, by saying, Those, these characteristics do not sound like the components of a, quote, blue wave. Important, folks. Circling back, that's how it ties into Rhinus. 
Felipe Reines, Hack Reines, and his desperation to change the narrative about the left-wing mob because they know they are in a world of trouble. Good day, sir! <laughs> Good day, sir. I love that one. That's one of my faves. <laughs> All right, folks, finally, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. You know I love Brickhouse. They have one of the best products out there for your general health. That's something, you know, sometimes we forget in the nutrition supplement business. And I, me being a, a, an avid workout guy, I love it. It's my life. It's my lifestyle, nutrition science, working out, exercise science, exercise fizz. I love it. Um, one of the things we forego is our general health. You know, some of the supplement industry, you know, they have great products designed to do things, make you look better, make you feel better. But sometimes we forget the basic tenets of sound nutrition really matter. You know, your brain health, your body health, your immune system. And one of those things is a basic one that sometimes we forget. And what is it? Fruits and vegetables. I mean, every doctor, nutrition scientist out there with it with half a brain will tell you the same thing. Guys, ladies, you've got to eat your fruits and vegetables. A lot of them, as much as you can take. Fruits and vegetables with all those micronutrients in there, those life enhancing micronutrients. Yeah, those 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 uh the the uh, the, the particles in there that color these fruits. These are life giving, life enhancing compounds. Yet a lot of us don't do it. And why? It's understandable. We don't have time to shop and prepare it. It's a lot. Breakhouse Nutrition has solved that problem for you. They created what I believe to be the best fruit and vegetable supplement out there. You know why? Because it's real food. It's not cheap tablets. It's not extract. This is real wholesome quality fruits and vegetables ground up into a powder. They just get the water out of it. That way you don't, your water is like 90% of the stuff. You get these life enhancing compounds in this wonderfully tasting powder called Field of Greens. I put it in OJ, orange juice. I put it in uh, green tea. Sometimes I put it in like a little V8 and I take a scoop a day. It is wonderful. It's called Field of Greens. It is, I've never felt better since I've been on it. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up your jar, Field of Greens today. You will not regret it. It takes all the guesswork out of your fruits and vegetables. By all means, eat and prepare all the fruits and vegetables you can. But this is your insurance. I, even when I do get a lot of fruits and vegetables in a day, I still take a scoop. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up your jar, Field of Greens today. Okay. Um. Just quickly on the what's happening in Texas because this is a this is just a horror show. Um, you know, when I was a, a Secret Service agent back in the day, I'll, I'll never forget staying in the Shelbourne Hotel. I was doing counter surveillance for the Democratic. Uh, no, no, was it the oh, what was it the RNC? Yeah, it was the RNC it was being held in New York. I get confused. And John Kerry was the nominee, and I'm up there for the New York trip and the Democrat National Committee, a Democrat National Convention is going on and I forget where it was happening. And a guy comes on stage to give a speech on behalf of John Kerry in the Kerry Bush reelect, you know, Bush's mm-hmm. reelect. You remember the race. Right. And I'm sitting there as this agent and I turn on the TV in the hotel room and I had heard of the guy before, but he gets on stage and I'm going to tell you, I'm, I've told Joe this story. My wife's heard it a couple times too. I listened to his speech by this guy who I'd heard of before at the Democrat National Committee. And I said, wow, this guy's going to be big trouble. You're like, okay, great. Who the hell was it? It was Barack Obama, at that time, Senator Barack Obama. I know I've told you this story. I've, Paula knows it too, because I call, right, Paula? Did I not call you up right after the speech? I was into politics. See, there you go, mm-hmm. folks. This is a nice part, having Paula with me in the trips. I got like a guest host today. Um, I said to her, I called her right afterwards. We were on the phone, and I said, man, Paula, this guy, I'm, you know, I wasn't a Democrat, folks, ever. I've always been a conservative. <laughs> I've been independent in college, but I've always been a conservative-leaning guy. 
I said to Paul, I go, this guy is going to be a rock star to the left. The speech, I didn't agree with the speech, but the speech was very well delivered. And based on the response, I knew this guy was going to be big, big trouble for conservatives. Well, obviously, this, you know how the story ends. He wins two terms of the presidency, um, really, I mean, absolutely decimates our economy, institutes Obamacare, brings about a new era of partisan politics we've never seen before in our lifetime. Why am I talking about this now in relationship to what's happening in Texas? Folks, the race in Texas between Ted Cruz and Beto O'Rourke, Robert, uh, what's his middle name? Francis O'Rourke. Call, he calls himself Beto. His name's Robert, okay? Mm. The race between uh, Beto and Ted Cruz is not a race in Texas. You're like, what are you talking about? Of course it is. He's running for Senate, Beto. Folks, Beto's big trouble for the movement, for us. Big, big trouble. Listen to me. This is all on tape. Mark my words. The problem I have with this whole thing is Beto, the guy's a a left-wing guy. He's a total radical left-winger. Gun bans, AR-15 bans, no border wall, impeach Trump guy. How he is even within 30 points of Ted Cruz in Texas is amazing. But the reason I'm telling you this, is this is a national show, right, Joe? We don't usually cover state issues because right. we have a, well, we actually have an international audience now, thanks to you, exclusively to you. Thank you. But the reason I'm bringing this up now and the reason this is so critical, folks, Beto is going to become a national candidate soon. He's going to get smoked in Texas, I assure you. I, I predict he loses by eight to 10 points to Cruz. You have not heard the last of Beto. Why? Not because Beto, he's not even that good of a candidate, in mm-hmm. my humble opinion. He is the new media, Barack Obama. They are going to do for, and I've watched his speeches, and he has a similar Obama-esque quality to be able to speak in emotional ways about topics he knows little or nothing about, kind of like Obama, and make it appear that he has a solution for a problem he's creating, the old broken leg fallacy, as they would call it. You know, break the leg and institute more of the medicine to fix the broken leg that broke the leg in the first place. Beto has a way of doing this. Now- if you don't believe me, I have this cut of Beto. Beto. Is it Beto or Beto? Beto? Uh, young Master Beto, yes. Master Beto. He's a Jedi? Like a yeah, Jedi yeah. knight? Yeah, he's a knight. He's a knight. He's got skills? But some sorts, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting emails on this. You know that, right? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Luke, I am your father. <laughs> So, as Joe calls a master uh, Beto, who uh, <laughs> broke my chair. <laughs> Gotta get you a new one. Call Gaston. <laughs> so, I have this video about Beto here, who, and, and this is the media. Listen to this dopey, silly, outrageous fawning by this media personality who's interviewing Beto. Listen particularly at the end, the part where she says, oh, you're a rock star, Beto. You're a rock star. It is so (laughs) embarrassingly bad that this is an alleged media interview. Play the cut. One of the most simple, obvious strategies that I've seen employed in a a modern campaign. We just literally show up everywhere all the time for everyone. You can't go 10 feet without an interruption from a Beto backer. Thank you so much. I love you too. Thank you all. You're a rock star. No, no, there's just so many great people who are. You can't go anywhere without getting. Hey! O'Rourke, a 
three-term congressman from El Paso, has certainly captured the entire nation's attention as well, hauling in a record $38 million in donations last quarter. Folks, <laughs> that is the most pathetic fauna. You should have seen Joe acting this thing out. Wow. During, during, while it was playing. This is pathetic. I'm putting this out there now again because we're a national show and this is going to become a national issue. Do not be surprised one bit if Beto, after he loses the crew, which he's going to, he's going to get annihilated by Cruz in this election, right? Do not be surprised at all if Beto becomes a 2020 candidate and the media will make him the next Barack Obama type. There's nothing he could say that's going to be wrong. Nothing at all. Just putting it out there now. Get ready for it. Mm -hmm. I have a really good taste for what these people are up to. And the Beto love affair is 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 has nothing to do with the Texas race. They know he's going to lose. Um, okay, we smoke about that. Let me go down my yeah, list. Pass here. the old El Paso, <laughs> dude. You're on fire, lady brother. I'm serious. Uh, you are. Oh, hey, a really good piece in Medium uh, Medium dot com up at the show notes. I strongly encourage you to read. I also have a good piece uh, Bongino dot com day in the show notes about our federal workers underpaid uh, by Matt Palumbo. It's not my piece, uh, it's his, but it's a pretty good analysis of how uh, federal employees, when you factor in all the categories, are actually paid 17% more. Listen, I was a federal employee. I'm not locking them. They do hard work. People get up every day and put on their work boots or their work shoes and go to work aren't the issue. I'm just suggesting to you that a reasonable analysis of what our government budget looks like should include a pay scale. And if that makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. I mean, it's uh, the, the data is the data is the data. And uh, if you disagree with it, fine. But re- read that piece. Uh, check that out. If I, get, if I get to it, I'll read a little quote from it in a second. But I want to get to this story. So medium.com, there's a story out there up at the show notes about what's going on with the internet right now and social media, Joe. And uh, I have to tell you, well, while I think bipartisanship is, is, uh, is dying, uh, and in some cases it has to because there are two conflicting views of the political universe. We believe that government's the problem. The left thinks government's the solution. Those ideas can't possibly coexist at the same time. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, shockingly, there are some areas, very small, a very little uh, in that sphere of ideological space. It's a very small portion of it. But there are some areas where we can all agree. And I think there is a... A red line that's been crossed on social media with internet censorship. I bring it up because the author of the Medium piece at, uh, about the internet and social media censorship, um, from my reading of it, is clearly not a conservative at all. But I believe the Rubicon's been crossed here when it comes to social media deplatforming. In other words, Facebook, Twitter, um, and internet-based companies taking down websites, taking down Twitter uh, uh, platforms, taking down Facebook platforms. What happened? Why is this new? Why does it matter to you? Why am I talking about it now? Well, something happened this week, and the Medium piece covers it. That should bother everyone. It involves coordination. Ladies and gentlemen, this is scary stuff. Um, for the first time, Facebook engaged in a, a massive purge. Facebook has discriminated against conservatives and political ideologies for a long time. But there was a massive purge last week, Joe, and the story is largely flown under the radar, um, and we need to draw attention to it. They engaged in a purge, but what they did, Joe, is they started taking down left-wing websites, too. And in that, so that's bad enough. The aggravating factor here, Joe, and again, it's covered in the piece, in the show notes today, 
is that some of the very same sites were taken down at almost simultaneously by Twitter too. Hmm. Meaning that Joe, it probably wasn't chance, correct? There was likely some coordination or a communication between these companies to target these sites. Now, yeah. This is the first time this mass, I get it. Please don't email me if this has happened. I know it's happened before. I'm just saying the level of coordination and the quantity of the sites taken down indicate that this is a new Rubicon we're crossing here, right? Now, that them, they, they've obviously are some left-wing sites too, Joe, because there were left-wing sites that were taken down as well, a couple anti-police groups. Now, listen, for as much as I disagree, especially with anti-police groups, Joe, given my background and history, I would never, ever in a million years suggest any kind of either private free market censorship like this is or government, God forbid, government censorship ever. Again, it's not virtue signaling. It's just a fact. I believe in big R rights and freedom of speech, even when the speech sucks and is really stupid. The answer to speech when you don't like it is more speech, not less. This is a huge problem. Now, the solution that they're suggesting is interesting in the piece. Joe, have you ever heard of the Streisand effect? Uh, no. Yeah, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I wasn't intimately familiar with no, this as well. Not. And it's an, the, the author of the piece is not suggesting a, 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 a direct government intervention, although uh, the author does suggest that the government at some point may have to get involved because Facebook and Twitter are actively involved with you know lobbying and government efforts. I, I don't support government role in this. I think they're actually looking the government, to, as I've said to you in many shows before, they're looking for an in the government to get into this on the Communication Decency Act to look to get rid of what they call hate speech, which will target conservatives. I don't think the government's the answer. But the author proposes another interesting solution about the Streisand effect. I, I hadn't been f- that familiar with this. Apparently, uh, a couple of years back, Barbara Streisand, the uh, famous singer and left-wing activist, made a big stink about people taking pictures of her home. And tried to get the picture. You've heard of this? And tried to get the pictures taken down. I I hadn't heard of this thing. And in her efforts to draw attention to these pictures being up to get them taken down, what she actually did is highlighted the pictures and more people saw the pictures than if she just had clammed up and said nothing. In other words, Mm. sometimes the attention you bring to it in an effort to combat it actually magnifies the effect of the item itself. Mm. How does that relate? It's an interesting theory uh, the Mm -hmm. author puts forward. Yeah says, listen, we got to do this Streisand effect when it comes to these social media companies. That left-wing activists and right-wing activists both should combine every time they pull down an account on Twitter, whether it's Gavin McGinnis, the, uh, the Proud, uh, Proud Boys guy from before the one, because he had had Twitter has taken him down, or a left-wing activist as well. We need to endlessly draw attention to these events to do what? To create the Streisand effect where it actually magnifies their audience. Now, I don't want to magnify any left-wing audience stuff, but it's an interesting theory, folks, that if their goal on social media is to get you to not to view Barbara Streisand's house, and Barbara Streisand says, hey, nobody look at these pictures, and then everybody looks at the pictures, it's a fascinating theory about how we should all... Now, I, I, again, I, I think that's highly unlikely because I sincerely doubt a bunch of conservative activists are going to be in any way eager to highlight like a, a Black Lives Matter group if they're putting up right. stuff about killing cops and shooting cops and stuff like that. But it is an interesting, and then the reason I bring it up, because like I said, bipartisanship is so dead that when you can find an area that maybe it's time for some, uh, you know, for a second, Joe, for, for uh, you know, a, a, a rapprochement to be called, a kind of a, a peace pipe smoking event where some left wing groups sit down with some right wing groups and go, listen, 
We're not here to talk about taxes. We're not here to talk about Trump. We're here to focus on one thing and one thing only. Our groups have gotten uh, pulled down and deplatformed. Some of your groups have too. We've had everyone from um, Alex Jones to, I, I don't know, these left-wing groups. What do we do to kind of link shields on this one thing to fight back against the social media companies? It's, an, it's a controversial take, but I'll tell you, folks, it's worth entertaining. And it's at least worth reading the piece. It's a good one. Like I said, the author, is, from my reading, of is not conservative at all. But I think it's an area you and I, Joe, and our audience are very, very concerned about. It terrifies me. And if we're serious about solving the problem, we have to be willing to entertain out-of-the-box approaches. And it's an interesting idea that if we all got together and instituted the Streisand effect and the left and the right combined and said, listen, we're going to highlight every time this happens, these social media companies would be embarrassed into basically uh, saying, okay, we're not going to do this anymore. All right. Uh, let me see. Well, since I referred to it, one last thing, we'll tie it up for the day. Um, here's a quote from Matt Palumbo's piece at Bongino.com about federal employees uh, talking about the, are they underpaid? Because this is an art. The reason this is coming up, by the way, so you understand the news story and why I'm not just randomly bringing this up on my podcast, is Trump is proposing a 2% across the board, basically uh, federal uh, pay cut for federal employees. And it's caused a whole bunch of controversy as Democrats jump in and say, oh, they're underpaid. They're underpaid. I'm just giving you the facts, folks. If What you want to do with them is up to you. Free us from uh, Matt Palumbo's piece. As reported by Just Facts in 2017, the CBO, Congressional Budget Office, released a study that compared the compensation of full-time, year-round private sector workers to federal workers from 2011 to 2015, excluding post office employees. Joe, it adjusted for education, occupation, work experience, geographic location, the size of their employer, and various demographic characteristics. With those factors accounted for, the study found that federal workers, folks, received an average of 17% more total compensation than comparable private sector workers. Folks, those are just the facts, however uncomfortable they may be for a lot of people. But it's important we have the numbers. We don't want to do liberal stuff where we argue on emotion. And as Ben Shapiro says, a lot of facts don't care about your feelings, and he's right. But feelings care about your facts, right? You know, people use feeling when they're talking about facts to convey emotion, to get people to believe things sometimes that they don't, you know, that they wouldn't believe otherwise. So right. it's just important to remember that. Um, hey, thanks a lot for your support. I really appreciate it. And again, if you see that Politicon video, uh, fire it out to me. I promise you I'll show it to you. I just can't seem to dig it up anywhere. So let me know. Thanks again, folks, for tuning in. Go check out the website today, Bongino.com. And please subscribe to the show. It's free on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Those subscriptions are what send us a uh, way up the charts, so we deeply appreciate it. It's all free, no cost to you. Thanks a lot, folks. See you all later. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.